I'm just, I'm so excited to be back with you guys. A lot of you know I, I had surgery and it's just really great to be back and able to to do this podcast with everybody. So whoop, whoop, whoop. Sorry, folks. But, po- podcast is closed. The moose outside should have told you. Hello and welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rocking good time talking about all your favorite movie soundtracks. My name is Joseph Wade. I'll be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight, once again, is my lovely and belligerent co-host Libby Cudmore. Libby, what's shaking? I'm everything's good. Everything's shaking out as it should. And it's it's good to be back. It's been been a minute. Back from medical leave, as I understand it. Yes. Yes, indeed. So I had some time to watch some uh, garbage movies and actually caught up on a lot of Key and Peel. Like, oh, wow. Watched Key and Peel under the influence of medical grade narcotics. <laughs> as one should. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a good time. <laughs> That's the only way to do it. This is uh, this is the end of summer 2022, and we thought, what better way to round out the summer than with a look at uh, National Lampoon's Vacation? But before we get into that, uh, we have a poll from our last episode we want to discuss real quick uh, from our Something Wild episode. We asked everybody uh, what they thought the best song from that soundtrack was. With- yeah, I've been thinking about Wild Thing, honestly, for like the last month. I know. that's That was the one I was really rooting for in this poll. Uh, and it's so weird i know and um with with nine with nine percent of the vote wild thing was uh last place tied with tied with oigo boingo's not my slave Mm. uh second place was uh fine young cannibals cover of the buzzcocks ever fallen in love with 27 percent yikes people real real shocker there and then and then with uh 54 and a half percent is new orders temptation yeah it's the best song and everybody knows that yeah, I mean, I don't even so know why good. we put anything else up against it. Oh, and the people love Oingo Boingo. I guess. I, I was really Oingo rooting Oingo. for uh, Sister Carol's cover of Wild Thing. It's, yeah. It's just so fun. Yeah, it's kind of the, the gem of that soundtrack. You know, you can find New Order all over the place. You can find Oingo Boingo, you know, those are album cuts. But this is this is is part of something wild. Yeah. And also, like on our our kind of unofficial break, I went road tripping through Pennsylvania, and as we were driving through like a Gettysburg and that kind of area, I noticed. I mean, I'm not kidding. Dozens of restaurants exactly like Mom and Dad's Italian restaurant. Oh, and I thought, I'm so like, jealous. I thought, like, oh man, this must be kind of that stretch where they filmed the movie. No, they filmed the movie in Florida. So, a dang, <laughs> there goes that. <laughs> but like, that's they nailed it. They absolutely nailed it. Like, uh. Rural Pennsylvania is just nothing but Italian restaurants. It's, it's the craziest thing. <laughs> well, I hope you took lots of pictures. I did. I might put some of those up on our uh, Twitter feed after this episode. Kind of comparing them. Yeah, absolutely. Comparing those. And also just because, you know, who doesn't love a, a slideshow from a, a road trip, you know? Exactly. And uh, even this one, once again, we find ourselves uh, doing road trip movies. I know. This is we kind of one of the... Back. The quintessential road trip movies and Mm -hmm. a soundtrack that I thought was going to be bigger than it was. And it turned out 
really not to be the case. Yeah, um, but kind of an interesting little little piece in yeah. a lot of ways because it goes kind of some unexpected places. Yeah, definitely. What the film is. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, so let's just jump straight into billboarding school for National Lampoon's Vacation. Uh, so the Vacation soundtrack was released along with the film in July of 1983, but it never charted. Not that I could find. Okay. Uh, so instead, we're going to talk about the hit single for, for a little bit because the hit single did chart on the Hot 100, which, of course, was Lindsey Buckingham's Holiday Road. Uh, debuted on the Hot 100 at number 92 uh, in August of 83. And the uh, the number one song in America that week was Every Breath You Take by The Police. <laughs> Those are two very different songs. Extremely different. This yes. could not be further apart. And the top soundtrack song was at number five, Irene Cara's Flashdance theme. What a yep. feeling. Also very different. Very different. But this was like, this is the, the, the summer of Flashdance as well. Um, yes. Holiday Road lasted five weeks on the charts. It peaked at number 82. The number one song in America the week that it fell off was another Flashdance song. It was Michael Cimbello's Maniac. Classic. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and then Vacation itself opened at number one at the box office and lasted that there for three weeks when it was beaten by a Rodney Dangerfield film called Easy Money, a film I have never heard of before. Oh, Easy Money. I haven't seen it in full but i spent a lot of time at the video store as a kid so i i could picture the cover that's fair that's now, fair uh, even though this album failed to chart my friend leah on our our twitter mentioned that she had picked up the soundtrack on vinyl for a couple bucks i think at a library sale oh wow if you go on discogs right now i'm on average the soundtrack to National Lampoon's Vacation goes for about $34. Yeah, that Just sounds right. Pretty pricey. The highest that it's been sold on Discogs is $59.99. Um, some of these, uh, there's one that ships from Singapore. Um, there's not a whole lot of copies for sale. It, it is out there, but you're, you're going to pay a premium for it. Yeah. So for, you know, as as compared to something like the Flashdance soundtrack, which you can find in any dollar bin at any record store in America. Right. So it's kind of kind of a rare item for some strange reason. Because it didn't have it wasn't one of those movies that like was built around its soundtrack, even though Holiday Road is the most infectious song I've ever heard in my life. Oh, absolutely. And even then, there were a couple of songs on the soundtrack that I feel were were definitely thrown in because, you know, the artists were also on the Warner Brothers label. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to trying to uh, promote it any way they could, and that was obviously a huge failure. Yeah, which is too bad because um, some of the other tracks on here are pretty fun. Oh yeah, there's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff on this soundtrack, as we'll find out. Uh, but before we talk about that proper, Libby, um, what's your experience with National Lampoon's Vacation? Actually, the first time I had seen it in full. Wow. Um, I know I had seen parts of it over the years, you know, playing on TV. Um, but I had never actually sat down and watched it. Now I've seen Christmas Vacation, obviously, mm-hmm. and I Vegas Vacation was actually the first of these films that I saw, and I saw it in theaters. Nice. Um, I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I do remember seeing it. Probably way too young. So I think in a lot of ways I was really surprised that this was 
this was rated R. And I think because it has children in it, um, you think, well, it's a family movie, except that you do see Beverly D'Angelo's boobs and there's that whole stream of Fox uh, near the end. Yeah. But it seems like a movie about a guy and his family going to an amusement park seems like a family-friendly film. So... And of course, the TV edits have a lot to do with that because that's that's how I experienced vacation growing up. Um, I, I talk I talk about movies that were on Comedy Central all the time back in the day. This is absolutely one of them. <laughs> and I know I've, I could see that. I know I've seen this probably a dozen times on TV. So sitting down to watch it for this, uh, streaming it online and it's full R-rated glory. You know, there are whole scenes that I had never experienced before. <laughs> Uh, the the scene where Ellen gets her head trapped between Clark's groin and the steering wheel never saw that before. Yeah, <laughs> kind huh. kind of disturbing to be honest. <laughs> but things so things like that, like risque moments like that, that were just cut out wholesale from the TV edits, um, which make it you know an already short movie even shorter. Yeah, it's got to be what like forty five minutes, <laughs> probably. <laughs> all told but you yeah. pat it out with commercials it's fine exactly you make it up in the back end but uh so yeah watching it for this was very illuminating because i i you kind of forget how uh raunchy and r-rated the early national lampoon movies were mm-hmm. and this but, ver- yeah this very much was one of those not in comparison to like what we think of as an r-rated movie oh no like this is this is so far removed from even stuff like porkies yeah you know? And it, so it's kind of funny that way. Like, it feels like about a PG-13. It's like an R-rated movie that a parent can take their kids to. Just, like, plug their ears and cover their eyes in two scenes, and you should be good. Yeah. So, a lot of the, you know, the kind of grosser jokes would probably fly over their heads, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and it's weird, because Chevy Chase is so affable in this, and he's such a, like dick bag in real life i know this is this really is like the the weird divide between like chevy chase as we know him in the movies and chevy chase as we know him you know in public basically i was kind of wondering like was he nice to anthony michael hall like did he treat him well or was he just a raging jerk on the set that's a good question yeah yeah wanted him to be nice like you better have fucking been nice to those kids Mm -hmm. piece of shit (laughs) and then and then you get uh this film is directed by harold ramus who yes. who famously you know much later after this film kind of admitted like if he had made it if he had made it even a few years later he would not have made it as mean as it had as it had turned out yeah it gets it's surprisingly mean for its affable nature right and i think that repu- the the affable reputation is what really carries it through like the the ways the reason we're still talking about it today yeah and you sort of forget that he tied a dog to a bumper and killed it <laughs> Like oh right that that did happen. Oh that did films. happen. Yeah, yes. I mean he he tells his kids straight to their face that they're fucked in the head. I mean yeah. you, you don't really come back from that. Oh, but like we we sort of blot that out. And we just remember Wally World exactly. <laughs> so let's just jump straight into the movie. And the yes. the first song on the soundtrack is the first song of the movie. You know it. You love it. It's Lindsey Buckingham's Holiday Road. Oh, no. Don't go. So don't break down. Holiday road. Holiday road. 
songs like I don't want to like because it's really corny and it almost sounds like it's a commercial or a novelty song or it's trying to sell me like a value meal. But it's pretty goddamn catchy. It really is. And I, I can't imagine the movie opening any other way. Like from a purely musical standpoint, like you've got those gorgeous harmonies. Mm-hmm. Like this, this weird little movie almost doesn't deserve like how lovely this song is. It's like it's two, it's two minutes long. There's only five lines in the entire song. And it's just like hooks on top of hooks on top of yeah, hooks. It's just- layered and marvelous um and it's over a montage of postcards Mm -hmm. and i love vintage postcards and i love as we talked about on uh uhf and some of our other road trip movies like i love a good road trip yeah and i'm looking at all those postcards like i want to go to those motels and those weird little like sideshow places i want to go to all of them yeah i I was watching this and going through it kind of slowly because i wanted to see like have i been to any of these places and so many of them are strange, like little you know, motor lodges and and roadside attractions that like just probably don't even exist anymore. But then you see stuff like the wigwam villages. And, like I've stayed in a wigwam village. It's awful. I hated it. But I have fond yeah. memories of being there with my family. Yeah, we stayed in one in uh, West Virginia. Oh, yeah. The, nice. Like Indian Princess Campground. Um, and yeah, and um, I can't think of, of uh, where in West Virginia. But yeah, we slept in a teepee. It's yeah. fun. Um, you know, name is racist, but that's West Virginia. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, from a dumber time. But yeah, all those like those mid-century tourist attractions just like really wrap my hand, John. I know. It's, um, it's great stuff. Yes. Now, you definitely wanted to talk about the video. Yes, because I only just recently discovered there was a video. And I swear it is. I don't. They had to have done this on purpose. It is the the polar opposite of the song. Yes, because it's like it's it's like a Fritz Lang horror show of like what office work is like, and it's Lindsey Buckingham singing about how basically how he'd rather be on vacation. Uh, and Lindsey Buckingham <laughs> is surprisingly hot in that video, and like I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I've just always known Lindsey Buckingham as being a thousand years old. Mm-hmm. So but um, I only I can only ever picture Lindsey Buckingham as Bill Hader from those sketches on Saturday Night Live. Also true. What's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> but um, it, what was kind of cool about this song is there's a lot of covers of it. Mm-hmm. A lot of different bands have covered it. And actually the Aquabats. Oh, wow. A surprisingly good cover of it because um, they preserve that joyful goofiness. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, like they don't, it, there's not a ton of irony layered on top of it. Okay. Like it's actually a pretty, pretty good punk cover. Um, and they keep the harmonies. Nice. So, um, and then it was also um, part of AV Club's undercover series uh, by the Walkmen. And it is the unofficial playoff victory song of the 2013 Chicago Blackhawks, who went on to win the Stanley Cup on June 24th which was the 30th anniversary of the song's release. Oh, wow. Mm. And that makes sense because the Griswolds are from Chicago. And it also finally reached its true purpose in that it was used in a 2017 Honda commercial. Of course. I remember that commercial. Trying to sell me something. Very well, yeah. So, And not to mention in the awful Vacation remake from 2015, 
they get like going to bring it up. They get like three or four different artists to cover that song. And if you ever wanted to hear the Zach Brown band do Holiday Road. uh, I would rather die. I I would. I would rather rather hear Ed Helms sing it. Don't don't you put that evil on me. Oh, boy. Ed Helms. It's not Ed Helms fault. He's not Jason Sudeikis. No, it's Ed Helms' fault that he's Ed Helms. <laughs> I uh, let's 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 not go there. I don't want to be too mean to too many people tonight. <laughs> um, yeah. So the movie gets a lot of mileage out of the song. I think it's played like four times. I think so. Yeah, and every every single time they play it, it just feels right. It's like okay, we're doing this again. Does but also I I started getting annoyed like I started thinking I was going insane. It, it they almost use it like a joke like a punchline, you know like every time they hit the road again like all right we're back to it I guess holiday road holiday road so yeah Clark Griswold is taking the family to Wally World in uh in in California from Chicago, and they're taking the family truckster all the way there. And, of course, what do you do when you're on vacation? You, you sing songs, right? Yes. So, the, like, we get a montage pretty pretty quick of the whole family singing songs. Uh, Clark and Ellen are singing Mockingbird. Uh, Beautifully. Be- very well done. And I could not help but wonder if that was directly parodied in Dumb and Dumber. Mockingbird, don't everybody have you heard? Have you heard? She's gonna buy, She's gonna me, buy a me a mockingbird. And if that mockingbird don't, don't sing, she's gonna buy She's me a diamond ring. And if that diamond ring don't shine. Hey, Lloyd, look, there's some people want to ride too. Pick them up. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> that hurts a lot. Actually, Holiday Road is sort of the too much of a good thing. It kind of is, isn't film. it? Yeah. They just keep using that. It really is. That stinger. Um, I just want to go back really quickly. Uh, that Clark Griswold worked out the entire trip on his computer, which in 1983, he's like hooked up to the TV. Yeah. And the Atari's hooked up there too. And Rusty is chasing it with like a Pac-Man. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the most amazing, adorable thing in the world. And it, it, it just, it makes perfect sense. Like, yep. Okay. We get it. Cracked me up. Um, and we also can't uh, we can't skip by the fact that uh, the family truckster was sold to Clark by Eugene Levy himself after crushing his car. After crushing his car, like the which kind of makes it like his lot kind of the pita of cars. Like you bring it in and they kill it immediately. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's it's a genius bit like marketing tactic. Like, what what are you gonna do? Drive away. Yeah, you have to buy this shitty old car. Yep. But so we we get this jazzy rendition of Mockingbird by our stars. Mm-hmm. Um, but the kids prefer Blitzkrieg Bop. Yep. By the Ramones. Let's go to a clip. Let's go. Like if they did this now in a movie, I would be really angry and annoyed. Yeah, I would think it was like too chintzy or too obvious. What I liked about this was you show such a generational divide right in that scene. Yes, because you've got Holiday Road with its big like sunny '60s style harmonies and these like good vibes, and then you've got the Ramones as punk is starting to move into 
the mainstream. Um, I mean, and this song was like six years old by the time the movie came out. Right. Um, and I just, I don't know. I love that. I love that divide. It's such a strange, like, choice too for for a movie like this like i get it it makes perfect sense because like audrey and rusty are the kind of kids who like in, in the mid 80s would probably listen to the ramones the like just middle class white kids who think the ramones are dangerous let's have a certain kid friendly vibe to them yeah because they're they're pretty easy to sing along um and they're high energy like i always thought Cretan hop was a really good song to play for kids mm-hmm mm-hmm then yeah compare that to holiday road and even just mockingbird like yeah it's it shows how distant they are it musically. does um it is com- a complete divide um but there's also the lines i think why they went with blitz creek bop over anything else is because you've got a line like the kids are losing their minds mm-hmm. once like getting anxious in the back of the car and also they're piling in the back seat that makes sense yeah so there's like these little little hints to why this song could kind of work um and I do. I love this song. I, it's kind of hard not to. It's so catchy. It was uh, ranked number two on Rolling Stone's top 500 songs of all time. Wow. That said, it was also in the closing credits of the movie Pan. But we're not going to hold that against the Ramones. I remember that. I wanted to be like Baz Luhrmann for children so badly. I remember walking out of Pan and feeling like I had like witnessed a train wreck in in, in right in front of my face. Like, didn't see Pan because I was like, there is no way I can sit through that and not be angry. As bad as you think a Peter Pan starring like a coked out Hugh Jackman it would be, it is 10 times worse. <laughs> Let me assure you. Well, now I kind of want to see it. It's it's horrendous. How dare you talk about my baby Hugh Jackman that way. Mm-hmm. Um, You'll see it and thank me later. My thing is like with um, Let's Creek Bop. Particularly, I do always think of uh, Marzipan and Homestar Runner. <laughs> she went as Joey Ramone one year for Halloween. And I just, every Halloween, without fail, I think of her going like, hey, ho, trick or treat. <laughs> <laughs> and anytime I hear this song. It's adorable. I think of Marzipan. So. I, it's weird <laughs> for me to think about, but like, I didn't really come to the Ramones until way late and way later in life than I should have. Because mm-hmm. I think growing up, I had this image of in my head of the Ramones being actually kind of lame. And, oh, well, and not there cool. was like, yeah, I don't know if there was like some sort of 90s backlash against the Ramones um, because. Yeah, because we were at a different phase of punk I, in the 90s, maybe or maybe I just like when I was younger, I just kind of thought anything that's that established can't possibly be good. But of course, <laughs> it's the Ramones and they're they're still around for a reason. Yeah, they're delightful. Yeah. Um, but I always Pet Cemetery is my favorite Ramones song. That's a good, that's every a really Halloween. good one. It's a great song. So, um, but the road trip continues. Yeah, the first stop along the way is St. Louis, and Clark tries to tell his kids all kinds of boring facts about the St. Louis Arch, like a dad does, like a dad would. And then they immediately wind up in uh, the wrong side of town. Yes. In the the most the most uncomfortable scene in the movie. Pardon me. Uh, I wonder if you could tell me how to get back on the expressway. Hey, fuck your mama. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, it's definitely like, oh, no, there are black people. Yeah. And then and so. Clark kind of like lampshades it by saying, look at all this plight, kids. <laughs> <laughs> 
like the discomfort is the funny part. I love that. Mm. I love how he asks the guy for directions and he gives him, you know, like turn right at like the busted car and then go ask my cousin for directions because I don't know. I'm in from out of town. Yeah. <laughs> they steal his hubcaps and then they spray paint the phrase honky lips on the back of the car. <laughs> <laughs> Respect. Respect. Uh, so they're still driving on through the night. Everybody falls asleep, including Clark. <laughs> and as Clark well, is, he gets weird when he's tired. He does get weird when he's tired. Uh, he falls asleep, and we hear the next song on our soundtrack, which is uh, the Fleetwoods' Mr. Blue. I'm Mr. Blue. When you say you love me, Mr. Blue, then prove it by going out on the slide, proving your love isn't true. Do you have any notes on Mr. Blue? Because I sure as hell don't. Hearing Dean Stockwell singing this in a nightclub. Uh, like picture it you can you can hear it can't you oh i could totally hear that yeah and i know the song that he's singing is blue velvet right so it's not but it's, in my head <laughs> it's mr blue by the Fleetwoods. the only uh thing i can only interesting thing i can tell you is that this is uh i believe this is the only song on the soundtrack that hit number one on the billboard charts in 1959 it's fine it's i like it it's really beautiful like it's not my thing but um, I sort of enjoy it in the moment. Like, I'm not going to seek it out, but I do kind of, I like this style of music just as mood music. But what was really fun about yeah. this, fun fact, is that founding member Gretchen Christopher actually testified before the Washington State Senate in support of the Truth in Music Advertising Bill, which states that a performing group cannot be advertised by the name of that recording group unless the unless that group includes one member of the original lineup. Oh, wow. Uh, that uh, is authorized to use that name. Huh. Yeah. Um, uh, which is like, that's something that has ramifications even now. Absolutely, yeah. But people, I, other members of the Fleetwoods were trying to, I guess, tour as the Fleetwoods. She's like, nope. That's just me. She holds the the copyright. Now, probably an incredibly stupid question. Any relation to Fleetwood Mac? No. Okay. But I also kind of like that the Fleetwoods were on a soundtrack with a guy from Fleetwood Mac. I know. Even if that wasn't on purpose, it's it's kind of nice. I want to imagine that it is, that that's just like in the music supervisor's weird mind. Because that's the kind of dumb connection I would make. Yeah, like a weird free association that nobody else would think about. But like that would make me laugh, right? Like watching the movie, I would never think about that in a million years. But somebody might, yeah. And that somebody is me. Mm -hmm. Oh boy! So the next stop on our our road trip, the they go, they, the Griswolds go to Dodge City, Kansas, and they go yes. to a, a real a real Western saloon where, where Clark uh, harasses the bartender until he shoots at him. Yep, fake gun. And sure it is. I like to think that it was a real gun and he missed on purpose. That's entirely possible. Like, and he's just trying to, you know, just trying to get a rise out of, out of the guy, yeah. but the guy just tries to kill him. Mm -hmm. And then he tries to brush it off. Like, no, no, it's, it's fine. Yep. It's, that's what I, I have to imagine mm -hmm. that it is. 
And then, uh, you know, they, they jump straight back on the road because they have to go and visit Ellen's cousin, Eddie. And Clark says, personally, I'd rather see a pile of mud than your cousin, Eddie. Yeah. And I kind of want to go. I don't know if the house of mud is real. I hope it is because I want to go to there. <laughs> but then we meet perhaps the most important character in the film as we see the soon to be Mrs. Billy Joel, oh, Christy yes. Brinkley, driving by in a Ferrari. Yes. Uh, and of course, she has her own theme music that dra- that that cranks up on the soundtrack as she's driving up. And it's Little Boy Sweet by June Pointer. Yes. Let's go to a clip. is smooth this is this is nice i'm into this one like you kind of keep waiting for michael mcdonald to come in on the backing vocals in the chorus <laughs> it gets that level smooth now here's where the soundtrack kind of starts to veer off a little bit because this is not the original song that was in this scene in the original theatrical release and it's still on some TV edits that are out there. This is instead of little boy sweet, this is I'm so excited by the pointer sisters. And I guess after the, the theatrical release was over and once they had started to put it out on videotape, uh, I guess licensing reasons that they had to take that back, remove it from the film and cut in little boy sweet instead. Yeah. Um, Cause I know their song neutron dance. Um, from their album ended up in like um, Beverly Hills cop. Like it wasn't written for it, but it got added to that soundtrack and then became a huge breakout hit. Uh, But that's interesting about, I'm so excited. Um, June pointer also saying back up on Bruce Willis's respect, respect yourself, (laughs) which actually ended up giving her a top five pop single. Oh, okay. Because life isn't fair. Because you've got Little Boy Blue, which just slaps so hard. But no, if we're going to get June Pointer anything outside <laughs> of her work with uh, the Pointer Sisters, it's going to be singing back up on a stupid Bruce Willis song. Of course. That's, that's just the way the universe works. Song for this scene? Mm-hmm. Because it's dreamy, but also really like big and bombastic. It's sort of like Christy Brinkley. Yeah, it's very playful, too. And she's just she's just teasing Clark so much on the road. Yep. And this was actually 1983 was when she met uh, Billy Joel. They married in 1985. So this was definitely the the peak of uh, Christy Brinkley's Brinkliness, I guess. Well, yeah, she had three swimsuit issue, three consecutive Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue covers. Like right. she was she was riding high. She was America's babe. She's mm-hmm. a good looking woman. Yeah, I got nothing wrong with Christy Brinkley. She's all right. I mean, she's terrible taste in men. Well, I mean, you, she's flirting with uh, Clark Griswold. She married Billy Joel. Like, she's got <laughs> terrible taste in men. I guess. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, any any other thoughts on Little Boy Sweet? Oh, I love it. This is probably my favorite song on the soundtrack. Yeah, this one. Uh, this I warmed up to this one. Yeah, I really liked it right from the start. Mm. So, so um, but and we yes, we meet cousin Eddie. We meet the cousin Eddie family. It's Eddie and Catherine and uh, the kids of Vicky and what's the brother's name? Dale. Dale. Yeah. 
And Cousin Eddie, of course, played by Randy Quaid, who's been making headlines lately for being insane. Mm-hmm. And he's actually really good in this scene. He, you know, Cousin he, Eddie is, he's a trashy character, but Randy Quaid plays him so well. Very tenderly, but also just pure trash. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he actually gives a really good performance because he's telling Clark, you know, I, I got laid off. You know, we don't have any money. And, yeah, like, he really sells it. You really feel for him in that moment, and that's all Randy Quaid. Yeah, like in the in the later films, Eddie really becomes a cartoon character, but in this one, it's it's the whole feel of like you know going to visit the side of the family that we just kind of don't talk about very much, you know. Yeah, and that they are they especially because um, you know, Clark makes a lot of money and mm-hmm. um lives in a really nice house, and yeah, here comes his wife's sort of hillbilly family yeah and that's uh jane krakowski as vicky that's a very young jane krakowski yeah she's the best at french kissing apparently <laughs> her 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 daddy says so and also uh in the, the tv edit it's her science teacher that says so i don't <laughs> because the tv edit's not better <laughs> yeah that's just that's a lateral move yeah um but jane krakowski of course wonderful delivery and it's because I never think of her as like a child actress because uh, she wasn't like one of those child actresses. Yeah, no. Uh, but God, she's funny. <laughs> she's funny. She has really, really good delivery and just such, again, kind of like an, an iconic face. Mm-hmm. So we got to talk about uh, the next song on our soundtrack. Okay. Yes, yeah, so we've got uh, Vanity Six with He's So Dull. Oh, it's yeah. Let's go to it. This is a song about Mike Pence. <laughs> no, it's too sexy for Mike Pence. <laughs> um, this is of course Vanity Six, the uh, Prince helmed side project. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got that brilliance, that deceptively simple tune where it's actually really fabulously layered, and it is dark and sarcastic as hell. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, it's really mean. Um. She doesn't like this guy. He doesn't wear blue jeans and he doesn't, he always wants to walk her home. And especially when you think about Vanity Six, do you know what their original name was? No. The Hookers. Prince <laughs> oh, wanted to have this band open for him, this female led band called The Hookers. And Vanity, he wanted her to go under the name Vagina. <laughs> Maybe Vagina, but it was still spelled Vagina. Why does that not surprise me? Yeah, because it's Prince. And he wanted them to like wear lingerie and be really sexy. And she's like, we'll do some of them. But um, yeah, that was uh, Denise Matthews, mm-hmm. the original uh, Vanity. She's yeah. like, okay, well, we'll do some of it. Yeah. But I guess there's a whole bunch of, um, of sort of lost tracks of theirs, including one about like a vibrator that has a skit involved. And there's kind of some weird some weird uh vanity six stuff out there wow 
They're delightful. I love them. Aww. Yeah, and this is another one that got a music video, and it's just uh, it's just the three girls dancing in front of a green screen. But but Vanity has just such a, a weird animated quality to her that's kind of hard to take your eyes off her. Yeah, she's sort of like a Ralph Bakshi fever dream. Yeah, she's yeah she's singing the lyrics so hard. Yeah, she's it's, really going it's all great. in. Pretty great. And they kind of Prince envisions sort of this '80s version of the Supremes, and they really are. Mm-hmm. Like they've they've got they've they've got that Supremes sound, but amped up for the eighties. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, I actually really like like this one a lot. Yeah, this is a good one. I t- I take this back. This is my favorite song of the summer, <laughs> followed by uh, "Little Boy Blue." So we got three contenders so far. Oh, only only this "Holiday Road." I will not listen to like outside of a road trip, but this one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll, this stands on its own. It, it really does. But I, I'll go back to Holiday Road real quick just to say, like, as I was listening to this for this album, for this soundtrack, I listened to Holiday Road. And as soon as it was over, I went back and played it again. Oh, God. <laughs> Why, why'd you have to? It was probably just stuck in your head. It's just it's on an endless loop in my head right now. It's just one of those earworms that you, you can't it help really but listen is. to or you go insane. It really is. But the uh, the, the trip... Or the visit doesn't end there because then we also meet Aunt Edna. Yes, Ugh. we and, do, and we're, and we're also informed that uh, Clark has to take Aunt Edna to Phoenix, Arizona. Yes, that's Imogene Coca. Yes, as Aunt Edna, um, and she's horrible. She hates everybody, and is just miserable. She's a miserable old bat. She's a miserable old bat, but I'll, once again, like one of the funniest characters in the whole movie. You were the ones that sent me the fruitcake for Christmas. It made me so sick. Oh, I'm sorry. We thought you enjoyed fruitcake. You enjoy throwing up every five minutes, Claude? Clark. I thought so. I love uh, Harold Ramis did great in casting Imogene Coca, and then we'll see May Quistel, um in Vacation, or in Christmas Vacation as well. So casting these sort of iconic yeah, yeah. comedy actresses. <laughs> Uh, in roles into their older years mm. is you know that's fantastic. I like that about them. Yeah, um, <laughs> I also want to point out that uh, cousin Dale introduces Rusty to how one uses a magazine. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? But also, Vicky get, Vicky gives Audrey uh, the, a parting gift of a whole bunch of weed before they leave. Yeah, because being a farmer is cool. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> I, you know, that that scene kind of made me a little uncomfortable where Audrey has to inform Vicky, like, you know, being a farmer isn't really that cool. Like, who cares? <laughs> what? She's super suburban and, yeah. like, look at this trashy family. But then it's like, oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> and it gives them both a, a forbidden knowledge that the gated community rich kids don't have mm-hmm. the weed and porno magazines. Right. They're, they're cool in their own ways. Yeah. They've got their, their own spirit. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so next, yeah, they, they pull off and have a little bit of a picnic. Yep. As we see, we get holiday uh, road we, one more time. We get little boy yep. sweet one more time, which means, but Hey, this- Christy Brinkley's back. <laughs> Yes, but this time we get sort of an extended version as he's like trying to dance seductively with a sandwich. Right. Which is fucking hysterical. It's, like Chevy Chase used to be funny. I know. And it's such a shame to like watch these now and then to, to kind of 
know where his career went and why. Realize this is the second time he's appeared on our show. Yeah, he was in Dirty Work. He was the doctor in Dirty Work. Yep. Um, but just his timing and his physicality, so funny. <laughs> Watching him dance with that sandwich is probably the funniest scene in the movie. Because he just goes all in. And she's like kind of dancing like a little bit with her soda bottle. There's another dude with her. He doesn't really seem to notice. Yeah, it's like a trucker or something hanging out with her. And yeah. and, and Chevy is just like slapping the sandwich across his face. It's yeah. it's, horri- it's horrendous. It's hysterical. But then they realize... Uh well, Ellen realizes that the dog has pissed on the picnic basket. Yeah, Edna's dog, the horrendous hellhound, has mm-hmm. pissed all over everything. And right at the moment that Clark takes a bite of his sandwich. Oh, and it ruins the moment, it's, which is funny. It's great. That's the joke. And then, of course, we hit Holiday Road one more time because they're on the road again. <laughs> I feel like... It should get like weirder and weirder every time. Yeah, I, this, like this played was... ever so slightly like slower and creepier, like until the madness fully sets in. <laughs> yeah, or even just like every time they get back on the road, hit that song again. Just make it, it make it a joke. You know, it's like, well, I guess we gotta play Holiday Road again. Mm-hmm. I, I I had I had debated playing it on the show, but I realized that's too much. Like every time <laughs> we talk about it, no, can't do it. That's, That's too much. Too much. But um, I they end up at uh, Camp Comfort, mm-hmm. where uh, Brian Doyle Murray from Scrooged uh, shows up as the camp manager. Yep. I really, I, there's a scene where he's talking to Ellen as they're packing up the car the next morning. And he says, despite all the problems, it's still fun, isn't it? And she says, no. <laughs> <laughs> With every, do, every new day, there's fresh hope. Yep. <laughs> Which is essential to a road trip i've all my road trips have always gone really well um with the exception of uh our car not having air conditioning mm-hmm. when we went to oklahoma in 2011 in july when it was 110 degrees Ooh. that was rough but we, we never had like a dog pee on our sandwich or anything um you know for the most part it was just hot right but we you know maintained our good spirits but there are still, you know, there's some days where you wake up in the middle of a road trip and you just go, oh, here we go again. Yeah, time to get back on the road. And all that driving seems like hell. And you have to drive across Tennessee, which is a long drive. Or Kansas, actually. Yeah, and if you have which to drive across any of the long states, it's just miserable. Yeah, yeah. Kansas is a long drive. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they say that they're going to the second largest ball of twine. Yeah. They are now in Colorado, by the way. Um, yes. They've just left South Fork. Um, it would have to be the second biggest because, as we discussed in our episode on UHF, the biggest ball of twine is in Cocker City, Kansas. Right. But we also find out that he left Dinky tied to the back. Yes, and a, 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 a motorcycle cop pulls Clark over and, and reads in the riot act. And God, this is awful. <laughs> I don't yeah, even like. I don't even really, want to joke about this. This is awful. Yeah. It, that's the kind of thing that, like, I can't, I'm sure that was funny to some, like, that to me is too upsetting. Like, I can't even joke. And I know it's supposed to be funny, and I'm, like, I won't let myself get upset about it, because it's, like, it's not a real dog. But it's, like, that's just too upsetting mm-hmm. to even think about. So, moving on. Um, well, we hear Little Boy Sweet one more time, because Christy Brinkley, Christy Brinkley catches back up with him. Mm-hmm. And he drives off the road like a big idiot. Mm-hmm, because this time he's, act- he's actively like fantasizing about driving with her. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the luggage falls off, including uh, the bag with his wife's credit cards in them. Which is like, why didn't you have them in your purse, Ellen? Yeah, why weren't they on your person? What's in? It the, just seems silly. What's in the trunk? But now they're they're uh, somewhere in Arizona, as the film tells us, and they're mm-hmm. looking for the Grand Canyon. And as Clark points out, it's only the biggest goddamn hole in the world. <laughs> or are they gonna miss it? But um, they end up driving all the way off the road. Yep. Um, and Clark has sort of a man-to-man with Rusty, where he he tells Rusty to you know. Be, to watch after everybody as he goes off into the desert to look for help and they share a beer and rusty immediately chugs the whole thing right there. Yeah. <laughs> like you would like any kid would. <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall is so great in this movie. He's really, really stellar. And I do like their commitment to having kids like a different set of kids play the kids in each film. Mm hmm. Uh, I think that's just kind of a funny joke. That, and that only it only happened because Anthony Michael Hall refused to come back for the second film. So they yeah. said, well, let's just go ahead and make it a joke. Well, because he was doing weird science. Exactly. Wow. Which, you know, turned out, to be, oingo, boingo. turned out to be the good, the right choice, because have you seen European Vacation? I have not. I saw it this weekend. It is atrocious. Ooh, you went all in. I did. I watched all of the non-Christmas vacation vacations and I've realized uh, I I said this on Twitter today. I realized Christmas vacation really is kind of a fluke. It's a minor miracle. (laughs) Although this one has its charms. Like you could see why people like this. Oh, this this one. Yeah, this one still holds up. But yeah, there's just something about Christmas vacation that's just singular. Um, This one, I think it feels so episodic. Like it really kind of moves from one piece to the other. I'm. He does wander off into the desert here, and he does not run into either Neil Breen <laughs> or Tom Waits panning for gold. But he does run into John Deal as the assistant mechanic. John Deal, of course, of Joysticks, oh, City Limits, okay. and uh, played Ben Gilroy on The Shield. Okay. That's how I know John Deal. <laughs> um, he's great in Joysticks, if you've known. You really should. Watch I've still that. never seen that. Yeah, it's on Tubi and it's great. I gotta catch up with that. So it has a theme song that goes totally awesome video games, and John Deal plays like a weird punk in it. <laughs> it's great. It sounds like my kind of movie. It's amazing. Uh, but they also have made it to the Grand Canyon. But- um, however, they are out of money. Clark robs the hotel. Um, she rips off the cash register. And they look briefly at the Grand Canyon and hit the road. For two whole seconds. And honestly, yep. Clark's got it right because you really don't need to see much. <laughs> it's, it, it is just a big hole in the ground. I kind of want to see it. It's, I, I'm downplaying it. It's not bad. It's just like, like if you're going to Las Vegas and you drive out to the Grand Canyon and you realize, like, oh, I came all the way out here for this. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a rough day. That's a very Beavis and Butthead way of looking at it. You want to go back to all the slots. <laughs> I, I may or may not have had that experience a couple times, okay? <laughs> Family road trips that have dragged me out to the Hoover Dam or the Grand Canyon from Las Vegas. Is this a goddamn? <laughs> Where can I get some damn bait? We laugh, but tragedy is about to strike the Griswolds. It's time to wake up Aunt Edna to feed her her pill, and she does not wake up. No, she is dead. So they do the only thing a family can do, which is wrap her in a tarp, put her on the roof, and drop her off at her son Norman's. 
in Phoenix. They drive all the way from the Grand Canyon to Phoenix. And Norman isn't home. No, of course he's not. They leave him. They leave her on the porch with a note. Yep. Yep. It all comes to a head. Yes. Because Ellen is mad at Clark. Clark is mad at Ellen. And Clark is mad at the kids. And they're telling him, we should just go home. Everything has been going wrong. And Clark snaps. Well, I'll tell you something. This is no longer a vacation. It's a quest. It's a quest for fun. I'm going to have fun, and you're going to have fun. We're all going to have so much fucking fun when we need plastic surgery to remove our goddamn spiles. You'll be whistling symphony doodah out of your assholes. <laughs> I got to be crazy. I'm on a pilgrimage to see a moose. <laughs> so at, at the hotel that night, Clark goes and runs into Christy Brinkley again. Yes, and he's wearing the fancy shoes that Eddie gave him, like the real like 70s those, loafers. Yeah, those swinger shoes. Or yep. And they go skinny dipping in the pool. And of course, yeah. they get caught. Christy Brinkley's a bad actress, though. Eh. She's a really bad actress. It's a little obvious every everything she says, like, oh, you're with you're you're not with the CIA, are you? Yeah, just like, have you ever read something out loud, you dumb dumb? Are you gonna go for it? <laughs> let's not let's not be too mean she's she's not an actress i just want to point out that she's bad <laughs> okay kind of drags the whole movie down well there i'm gonna tease this for later there's a reason she's in the movie interested and the movie uh, cuts the reason out oh boy <laughs> um but clark clark Jumps in the water. It's very cold. And he wakes up the whole motel, including Ellen, who he then has to go and apologize to. But everything is, but everything's better that, you know, that's, we also learn that Audrey doesn't really smoke weed. <laughs> you don't even know how to inhale. Yeah. So she's wearing sunglasses and like a little nightgown. Oh, like, good for her. Sparking a doobie, like a beatnik. Oh yeah. <laughs> we, the, and one of the things we didn't even talk about on the soundtrack is they don't include the Wally world anthem. No, but they sing it. They do. So and honestly, I'm just I'm just gonna play play it for you right here because it's pretty fun. It's great. Who's the moose's moose we know? Marty Moose. Who's the star of our favorite show? Marty Moose. And Liz from Mary were Mary, you see. Oh, star of show, golly, oh gee. S is for super smile, family glee. E is for everything you want to be. That's me. <laughs> it's a it's a pretty thinly veiled, you know, reference to Disney Disneyland. Uh, mm-hmm. John Hughes in the original story calls it Disneyland, but obviously for the movie they can't call it that. So Wally World. Which, of course, then became uh, sort of a nickname for Walmart. I still don't understand that, but I, I will accept it. Just it's Wally World. Well, yeah, but uh, not a fan. Whatever. <laughs> um, it should be noted also yeah. that Wally World is not Disneyland, but is, in fact, Six Flags Magic Mountain, which is which is a, a great theme park. I've actually been there. Uh, the big roller coaster, I think it's called Colossus, uh, is phenomenal. <laughs> Oof, well, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, so, because I know that you you go to Disney World pretty frequently. Yes. Um, are there regional theme parks 
near that you also went to. Yeah, there's there's one near me in Charlotte called Carowinds. I think I talked about it on the Wayne's World episode. Yeah, where they used to have a Wayne's World like part of the park. Uh, there's a, a Bush Gardens. There's theme. They have theme parks all over the East Coast. There's a couple of in. There's one in Virginia that we go to sometimes. So uh, we're not uh, Disney exclusive in this family. You're a big theme park guy. Though. Yeah, I just like I just like roller coasters, honestly. I uh, we used to go. There's a theme park in uh, Lake George mm-hmm. that was an independent theme park um, called the Great Escape, and now is the Six Flags Over Great Escape. Right. Um. I think even before it was the Great Escape, it was like Storybook Land, mm-hmm. and so you could still you used to be able to still like go through like the Three Little Pigs cottages and like Alice in Wonderland and Cinderella and all those kind of things. They had like an Old West section, yeah. Um, but I I love those independent theme parks and sort of even seeing Wally World, like even though it is tied to this fictional universe with Marty Moose, I I love seeing those non branded theme parks it's one of those things that like kind of doesn't exist anymore so they make it to wally world they're the first ones here Mm -hmm. which doesn't you know doesn't strike clark as odd (laughs) Uh, clark and rusty race to the front gate to like chariots of fire kind of yeah it's a fun little chariots of fire parody (laughs) they play the chariots of fire music Mm -hmm. it's fun and they get there and then they're met with uh, uh, the statue of Marty Moose with a sign that says, uh, sorry, folks, the park is closed for two weeks for renovations. And they also hear it from Marty Moose. That is Harold Ramis. Oh, OK. I didn't know that. Marty Moose. <laughs> sorry, folks, we're closed for two weeks to clean and repair America's favorite family fun park. Sorry. <laughs> As we find out from John Candy, the security guard. Yes. And in the meantime, Clark has kind of once again gone a little haywire left the park bought a bb gun and has returned to the park uh basically to break in Mm-hmm. respect you know man's gotta do what he's gotta do yeah take his family on vacation they drove a long fucking ways it's two thousand miles yeah so i um, kidnap john candy they make him take them on all the rides yes which looks really fun even though i do not like roller coasters at all and was actually getting a little bit dizzy just like watching the roller coaster footage oh wow which is kind of impressive footage. It's pretty good. And you really do feel like you're right there. And like the the shots of the actors on the roller coasters, they look like they're about to be sick. And it's because they've at that point they had ridden the roller coaster like eight times in a row. God. Oh, <laughs> it was very authentic. Yes. Um they do show them on the scrambler, which I do like. Um mm-hmm. and there was a scrambler. Have I talked about Chipper's Mystery Ride on the podcast? I don't before? think so, no. So um, there was a scrambler at Great Escape, and it was called Chipper's Mystery Ride, and it was under a dome, and it was a scrambler in the dark with, like, fluorescent lights and magic carpet ride playing over a busted set of speakers. Oh, wow. It was the best, because it was just, like, under black lights, and, like, sometimes you'd be able to see some things, and then you wouldn't, and then there'd be, like, black light shit everywhere. Really cool. <laughs> Chipper's Mystery Ride, um, I think, was taken down about 10 years ago, probably because it was super unsafe. Mm. Um, and it was probably replaced with, I don't know, like... Whatever fucking DC hero, Bugs Bunny's super pants fun time, or I don't know, (laughs) 
some just absolute dumb shit for dumb idiots. Mm. R.I.P. Chipper's Mystery Ride forever in our hearts. That's a bummer. Yeah, it ruled. Um, <laughs> that that reminds me of a theme park that I think you would have enjoyed that no longer exists. Yeah. The Myrtle Beach. It was called the Hard Rock Park. Oh yeah, and it was in fact a, a Hard Rock Cafe themed uh, theme park. All the roller okay. coasters were themed after different different bands, and different yeah. different parts of the park were themed after different genres and styles of music. You had like the, oh, the big like the gigantic coaster was like Led Zeppelin the ride. There was a wooden <laughs> coaster that was called Life in the Fast Lane, and it was an Eagles themed ride, which it kind of right. sucked. The one ride that never ever worked, I th- I think it was called Abbey Road, and it was like a a Beatles themed like roller coaster where the cars were actual cars that you could sit in. Yeah. Uh, it closed uh, after like two years because nobody went to it. Oh, that's a drag. <laughs> um, yeah, the one, the uh, the Comet was, I believe, one of the longest wooden roller coasters. Ooh. Um, was at uh, Lake George. Was it the Great Escape at Lake George? They also had one called the Steam and Demon. Again, they have all been renamed as like the, you know, Batman Barfathon or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think... Uh, the comet might still be the comet, but I do believe the Steam and Demon has been renamed. But it had like I believe it had double loops. It was intense. Oh I never gosh. went on it, ever. I do not do that. I do not do roller coasters. <laughs> um, but I don't mind being like spun around. That I can handle. I don't think I can handle it as an adult, though. That's fair. Yeah, I think whatever balance weirdness in my brain, I think pressure couldn't handle it mm. rides are for the youths but um while they're on the pirate ride the SWAT team arrives yes so um but not, and, not just the SWAT team but Roy Wally himself and um I, I do love um John Candy's line like they kidnapped me but I had a great time on all your rides <laughs> And so, um, yeah, so Clark explains the situation to Mr. Wally. But Roy, can you imagine how your kids would have felt if when you got to Florida, it was closed? Oh, they don't close Florida. They bond over terrible road trips. Mm-hmm. Roy declines to press charges, and then they get to go on all the rides. With, with the SWAT team. Yeah, it's a happy ending. It really is. And then as, as, uh, as the film ends, we get this, the end credit song, which is Lindsey Buckingham's Dancing Across the USA. We went dancing across the USA on that crazy King's Highway. Too much passion, too much play. is a joke like it it works for the end credits but like this has to be like a novelty song like i wouldn't listen to this outside of a road trip but it would be there ironically like when we drive through tennessee i always put nashville tonight from the identical (laughs) on road trip mixes and then we get through like the first verse and i put uh can't be nashville every night by the tragically hip because i'm not a monster but this is like way too hokey yeah this is like this is like a Lindsay buckingham song for like grandma you know kids like Lindsay buckingham does like a kids album i guess like fleetwood mac lullabies because like holiday road can pass for a real pop song but this one can't 
No, it's too sleepy and too kind of goofy. And he, he sings about the King's Highway, which, uh, as far as I know, is a real highway. It's in Myrtle Beach. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a real song. You're right. This is not a real yeah, song. It's, it's a fake song. Um, <laughs> but now I understand that this is not the original ending for the film. No. So, okay. There's one song we have not covered yet, which is Summer Hearts by Nicolette Larson. And the reason we haven't covered it yet is because it's not in the film. But it is in the end credits. Like, it's listed in the, the song credits. There was an entire original ending to this film that was shot and test screened, and nobody liked it. Now, I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to take a guess. Okay, take a guess. All I'm picturing is, like, the Audrey Twos from Little Shop of Horrors chasing Clark Griswold through Wally World oh and, like, God. destroying it. Oh, man. Is that See, what happens? No, not by a long shot. That uh, would have damn. been see that would have been a fun ending. That's an awesome. Ending. They decided to go for the downer ending. Ooh. <laughs> Where instead of um instead of forcing their way into Wally World, uh Clark goes and buys a BB gun and takes his family to find Roy Wally's house and hold him hostage. Jeez. As he and his uh his guests then have to perform a song and dance to amuse Clark Griswold because Clark demands fun. Damn it. They kind of then took that and applied that to Christmas vacation a little bit. Yeah. But then it goes further because, (laughs) because Roy Wally's daughter shows up to clear Clark's name. And who do you think Roy Wally's daughter is? Oh God. Christy Brinkley. Oh God. (laughs) And somehow she, you know, gets the, gets him to not press charges against the family. The Griswolds go home and then on the return flight home, Clark discovers they're on the wrong plane and tries to hijack the plane to force them to land in Chicago. That's the end of the movie. I can see why that didn't test well. Here's the thing. It didn't test well, but not because of like how absolutely apeshit the ending is. Audiences hated the fact that they never got to ride the rides at Wally World. So they had to go and make an okay. en- make an ending, hire John Hughes to come back and rewrite an ending where the Griswolds got to go on the rides at Wally World. <laughs> I mean, like, they're not wrong at this it, uh, with, in this case, but still, what a weird complaint. <laughs> like, oh, we wanted to see them get rewarded and get to, like, overcome all their troubles. But very specifically, it said, like, we wanted to ride the rides. Like, you know, you're not really riding the rides, right? Like, the... The downer ending where Clark, you know, holds a man hostage. That's too much, man. Yeah, we just want to ride a roller coaster. Like, we just wanted them to get to the fireworks factory. Must have influenced then the look of those scenes where they really are, like, you as the audience are on the roller coaster. Yeah, they really like put okay. the cameras on the rides. And, yeah, they tried to goose it up a little bit. So I, it makes sense. Fun, then, that they that they did that. Now, um, well, still keeping a little bit of the hostage angle. Yeah. Um. Now, where is this footage like on the DVD? Like, where is, has anyone seen this footage? Oh, uh, no. According to Chevy Chase, he personally has the only surviving copy of that ending. Interesting. Okay, so we're never going to so see it. So we're never going to see it. And he also Fuck said that. he apparently has asked Warner Brothers to release it. And they, they have straight up told him we have no plans of ever doing that. Okay, so he wants us to see it. So Chevy wants us to see it. Che- Chevy wants to restore the Ramus cut just like we do. Ah. Uh. So, I mean, is that something we want to get going? 
Rest- he thinks we have to. Hashtag restore the Ramus cut. Oh, Wait, make a trend on Twitter, everybody. Yeah, let's get the let's get the 4K available with you know the original ending. Let's do it. Uh, we'll get the uh, get it uh, get the uh, people behind the Super Mario Brothers archive on it. I know. I mean, the 40th anniversary is coming up, which is, I hate saying that out loud, but it's true. <laughs> but let's talk a little bit since summer hearts yeah so let's play that real quick this is am schlock of the highest degree yeah this is rough um she did sing back up for the doobie brothers Mm -hmm. um and there's some real serious keys kicking around, but there's a lot going on back there. Yeah, and I, I can kind of guess where this played in the film. Like, you know, they're on the plane going home at the end of all this mess. But this really does not scream vacation to me at all. Oh, um, it's like this should be at the end of like a summer camp film, like as the boy and the girl are saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. Like that's no, this is terrible. Um, but um, like it in the version of the movie that was about Rusty, I could kind of see that, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I guess. no, the movie's about Clark, so we're not going to do that. Um, Nicolette Larson also sang on the soundtrack to Arthur, which is another one we should cover at some point. Oh yeah, that would be a really fun one. Uh, Ian and I rewatched that a little while ago, and it's just charming as hell. But here's, you want to know the weirdest thing about Nicolette Larson that? that I discovered? What's that? She dated Weird Al. What? Yes. Really? Yeah. Very briefly. <laughs> That's weird. That's weird, man. This is very confusing. I, I will go ahead and just straight up say it. I'm glad they cut this song from the movie. It's not my favorite. Yeah. No, it's it's not good. It doesn't fit. Um, It's probably the weakest song on here. Yeah, and also the other three tracks that we didn't discuss were uh, three uh, sort of soundtrack score pieces by Ralph Burns. They're okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just they're filler. Um, the trip uh, definitely conveys the feeling of a station wagon. It's got this like big, deep brass, and then this kind of like asphalt shuffle and some like really nice sweeping strings. But that's kind of the only notable piece. Uh, Christie's song is cocktail jazz and deep river blues is uh, kind of a generic blues riff. Yeah, Deep River Blues is the track that's playing when they're driving through the the main streets of of uh, St. Louis and even that kind of even that track like makes it feel more racist than it should feel. <laughs> like I don't know yeah. about this guys. Yeah. Agreed. So that's vacation yeah. everyone. Happy summer. Happy summer. I'm sorry it had to come to an end, but you know, these things happen. Uh so Libby, yeah. what do you think of vacation as a, as a whole? I don't know how often I'd watch it. Like, I don't know if it's going to become like an annual viewing the way that Christmas vacation is, but I actually really enjoyed watching it. It got some, some good laughs. So what about you now having seen the R rated version? Uh, Honestly, I kind of feel like the TV edits the way to go. Cause a lot of the R rated stuff that they cut out, I feel like was cut out for pretty good reasons. Um, Yeah. It didn't really, a lot of the R rated stuff didn't work for me. And I don't know if yeah. that's just because I'm a I'm a, a wiener or what, but no. <laughs> Maybe let the TV budget exist on its own. Let it be kind of episodic and cut it up with some commercials and it's fine. I mean, I don't see how that would 
really change it all that much. So not really. I'm fine either way. Yeah. Watch it. Watch it with your kids. I mean, no, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but then, as a soundtrack, what do you think about this? It's not a great soundtrack. What's good is good, but it doesn't have like that iconic nature of other soundtracks that were coming out around the same time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're up against Flashdance. How do you compare? Um, as MTV was starting to really weigh heavily on pop soundtracks, this one kind of kind of gets buried. Yeah, it kind of got lost in the shuffle. But you know, not not to the movie's detriment at all. It's just oh, the music. No, no. The music didn't really uh, stand out very much, aside from you know Holiday Road and maybe um, Vanity Six and. <laughs> little boy sweet yeah the rest so it's, the rest it's not an essential yeah the rest you can kind of junk blitzkrieg bop you can get elsewhere yeah a couple of good tracks in here but that's pretty much it so libby um that's that's we're gonna we're gonna call it a day on vacation but libby what's uh what's next for the ost party well next we're going to vegas baby oh we're doing uh, we're doing vegas vacation no oh we are not doing vegas vacation Damn. But Joe, it's you're so money and you don't even know it because <laughs> we're going to be talking about swingers. Okay, yeah. Oh yes, it our long promised follow up to the mask uh, as the swing revival sort of hits its zenith. Yes, we've gone from like one end of the spectrum to the other, and at the at at the end of it, we get swingers. Oh, it was it, we had discussed a couple in this genre, including Blast from the Past, and. We continue to tease Meet the Deedles uh, <laughs> yeah. someday, but we're uh, we're taking it back to the mid-90s and also a little bit of a road trip movie. Yeah, somewhat. Yeah. And we just can't get away from this genre. <laughs> we might just have to strictly focus our podcast on road trip movies. <sighs> Woulda, coulda, shoulda. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, Joe, where can our listeners find you? I'm on Twitter at Cordial Wombat, and I'm also on the Christmas Creeps podcast at Christmas Creeps, where I talk about Christmas movies all year round. Libby, where can our listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter at Libby Cudmore. You can find me on Instagram at record underscore Saturday. You can also find us at OST Party on Twitter, or you can email us at OSTPartyPod at gmail.com. Absolutely. Uh, and finally, folks, you know, we love doing this show and we want to grow the audience by any means necessary. So please tell a friend about this show. Let them know that, you know, there's a movie soundtrack podcast that you think is really fun and worth checking out. And we would really appreciate that. Please leave a review and tell your friends. Absolutely. So for the OST party, I'm Joseph Wade. And I'm Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. Take the ride.